Amen. Good morning, church. How are you today? Good. Hey, how many of you think that Pastor Dave should do announcements all the time from now on out? <laughs> all right, he definitely showed me up there. Okay, so anyways. Hey, if you would take your Bibles, go to Second Peter. Uh, Pastor Dave, a few weeks ago, started this sermon series called Deceived, and we're going to be looking at Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. So seven verses today that we're going to simply get into and dig apart and see what Peter has to say to us in these, in these verses. And this, this passage and this text, this portion of scripture is very, very practical for our lives today. Uh, but before we get into it, I want to share a, a story with you. And uh, how many of you have ever uh, planned a trip, you've been on a vacation somewhere, and the place that you planned to stay at just did not look like what you had thought it looked like when you originally looked it up on the internet or anything like Just put your hands up for me so I know we can connect this morning together. Okay, I have to share this story with you. I asked Pastor Dave and Pastor Dennis to make sure they're okay with this. But a little over a year ago, we decided, and originally it was going to be just me, I was going to attend a, a conference down in Atlanta, Georgia, and we are going to go down there just get encouraged, just myself. And then Pastor Dennis and Pastor Dave heard about it. They thought, hey, that's a good idea. Why don't we all go together? We'll go down there together. And when I set up the room, I originally thought, I'm just going to go as cheap as I can, but something decent, because I thought it was just myself that would be going. And literally, uh, this is what the room looked like on the internet when I looked it up, and I thought, okay, that's a decent room for Quality Inn in Atlanta. Uh, cheaper, the cheaper price was there, and I thought, okay, we're going to go ahead and, and reserve that. So I did, and I set up the, the flights and all this kind of stuff. And, and you ever arrive at the place... And you just get a vibe. It's not, something's not right. But we got in so late. You remember this, Pastor Dave? Our, our flight was actually delayed that night. One of his buddies named Tracy from over on Detroit area came over, took us out to dinner, paid for our meal, and, and hung out with us for a little bit. And, and then eventually we got to the airport and we finally got to Atlanta. I don't know, it must have been 1 a.m. by the time we finally got to our hotel room. And Pastor Dave and I got out, and Pastor Dennis was sitting in the vehicle, and we went up to the, the little lobby area, and there was a door there, there we couldn't get in. And so we looked to our right, and literally, like, there's a four-inch glass window with one of those little money slips underneath it. And there was a guy in there looking at us. And he kind of looked at him, and he looked at us, and we're like, can we come in? So he had to buzz us into the lobby. Okay, then we get into the lobby, and there's another four-inch <laughs> glass there in front of where he's standing. And what was very strange is that we had passed a Hyatt on this road, a Courtyard Marriott, some other nice hotels, and we get to ours and thinking, oh boy, this is not exactly what I was hoping for. And then we, we get the keys to our room. We get up to our room, and this is actually what the room looked more like when we got in there. It was much more dark and drab, and I can't explain to you through this picture um, what it felt like, but do you know when you get into a room and the vibe is just really bad. Okay, so originally I thought, okay, this is going to be a great little spot. We get into this room and, and we start having questions come to our mind similar to this right here. How do you deal with bed bugs? Okay, and Pastor Dave literally looks at me, I look at him, Pastor Dennis kind of standing there too, and Pastor Dave goes, 
I'm not sure at this point that I want to unpack my suitcase. <laughs> and so immediately, we started thinking for, for options about what we're going to do while we're at this conference and where we're going to stay, because we surely were not going to stay at the Quality Inn. And I won't tell you what town in Atlanta, but just don't go there, okay? <laughs> anyway, so we start, we start getting back in the car. And actually, to this day, I still feel bad, because we left Pastor Dennis in that hotel room for about 40 minutes all by himself. <laughs> While Pastor Dave and I went and tried to look for some other ones that we were going to stay in that weekend. And so we drove to, you know, one of the ones that were nearby and then to the next one. And we finally found one. They said, hey, we have one room open tonight. It'll fit all three of you. But we're booked for the rest of the, the week because this conference is in town. Well, it was the one that we were to be attending. And so... We finally went back and got Pastor Dennis, and he was all cuddled up in one of the beds and just having a great old time. <laughs> I'm just joking. And, uh, and he was just sitting there, kind of with the stare on his face. So we get back, and we pick him up, and we, we head to our, our new hotel, and we get there for the night. And then the next morning came, and we, we had some ideas. We started driving around town. The conference wasn't supposed to start until about noon. So we drove around town looking for hotels, and we just weren't finding anything. Everything was booked. And so we had, to, we had to go about an outside source, which happened to be my wife, Tracy, and, and Cherry, our secretary. They started looking for us. And they found this one that was a perfect fit for us. It, I mean, we arrived there and checked in, and they even asked us, hey, we have a backyard barbecue tonight. It's free. Do you guys want to attend? And we looked at each other like, yeah, we didn't even have breakfast at the other one planned, so <laughs> we'll be there. But I thought about that story as we think about this passage in First Peter, or Second Peter, chapter one, verses five through eleven, and, and think about this idea for me for a second. Um, when Tracy and I were talking on the phone, and especially when I got back, she she asked me. She said, "Why didn't you read the reviews? All right, why didn't you get an eyewitness account of people that had been there and said, okay, it's really only a two-star hotel, although the website may say this." I was actually deceived by the website. They really had done false advertising because I've even went back to this day and looked it up and I've looked up the rooms, those pictures, and it still, <laughs> it still haunts me to this day. <laughs> but I think about this. When we come to this passage in God's word today, we literally have to remember that Peter is the author. Uh, yeah, I mean, let me make sure I say this in front of you though. I failed to read the reviews. That was the idea of it. I had sources at my disposal but what I'm getting at this morning is that we have to remember this passage today that we're going to look at. It's literally written by an eyewitness account. It's written by Peter, someone who walked and talked with Jesus for over three and a half years. I mean, he was with him wherever he went. And so he understands, he knew what it was like to look at a mature person in Christ, literally God in the flesh, because he walked with him everywhere he went. He saw him perform miracles. He saw him speak into Peter's life. He saw him speak to Peter several times on levels where he had to calm Peter's passion down, right? There was other times where he came right to Peter and said, Peter, you will deny me three times. No, Lord, I won't. I won't. And he has to, later on in the scriptures, he has to come back to Peter and, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Tend my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep again. So Peter, this morning as we read this portion of scripture, remember that he is an eyewitness account. He's someone that was there, that did that, that was in the midst of it. 
we can trust what he's telling us today, although I know he was driven by the Holy Spirit in the words that he penned as we look at these seven verses this morning. But these verses talk all about our practical living in Christ. Um, Pastor Dave has done a great job setting up this series and talking about some of the issues that were going on within the, the believers, the area of this church, we, we might call it, of the people that Peter would be addressing to. Matter of fact, First Peter, he's addressing the concerns and some of the issues that might come from with outside of the church. And in Second Peter, he's dealing with some of those issues that may come from within the church. So the, the false teaching. But in First uh, Peter chapter uh, 1, you can follow along with me for a second. I just want to go back and look at First Peter real quick. And I remember in Bible college, I had a professor that taught us a, a lesson, a, preached a sermon, whatever you might call it, one of the days when we were in college, and he called it the No Grow Show Passage. I still remember, it was probably 20, 22 years ago, No Grow Show. And let me show you these verses from 1 Peter, and then we'll go to 2 Peter. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it starts out with that no, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. In verse 2, chapter 1, grow. Here's the grow part. Therefore, it's there for a reason. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you might grow thereby. So there's the know and the grow. And here's the show. It actually may say proclaim in your verse. The old King James says show. But at end of verse 8 and into verse 9 of chapter 2, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you, he's reminding them, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you might proclaim or show the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is the beauty of what Peter's explaining to these believers. And then we get to chapter 1 of 2 Peter, which, which is where we're going to spend our time today. And Pastor Dave just uh, did such a great job last week of taking us through verses 1 through 4 of that uh, portion of Scripture, where it talks about, and if we look at it this morning, just look at, at chapter 1 of 2 Peter, and we see that it talks about there specifically that God has given us the power, He's given us the promises, but He wants us to be partakers of those pow- of the power and the promises that are in within of, in us because that we are already Christians. He wants us to practice those, put those things into practice, and to be partakers of it says this of the divine nature in verse four, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And here we go. We'll get right into this passage this morning, verses 5 through 11, seven verses. There's also seven things that we see in here, seven qualities, no pun intended through the quality in there, but seven qualities that we're going to look at today that Peter says, listen, if you have faith, if the foundation of what you have is your faith, you need to add to your faith these seven qualities, these, some may say virtues, but add them to your faith. And let's look at it today. In verses 5 through 11, we'll read it together, and then we'll go back through and we'll unpack these verses real quick. And I want to share some practical things with you today before we end, but let's read down through it together. But also for this very reason, given, uh, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge. Here we go, verse 6, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, 
to godliness, brotherly kindness. Let me go back one just so. Actually, I'm going to stay with where I'm at here and then just read it to you guys. To brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. For these things are yours and abound. You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. In verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's an awful lot of practical practical steps here this morning. I want to look at these. I underline faith this morning because that's the foundation. Some, some pastors and teachers have presented this in eight different virtues or qualities, whatever. I think foundation of this passage is that we have faith. That's an understood thing because Peter's talking to Christians. But then above that, we want to add these seven things. And let's just dig them apart this morning. I've, I've highlighted them in yellow. The, the first one is virtue. Virtue is this. Think about it today. It's moral excellence or moral purity and uprightness of character cultivated uh, cultivated by an obedience to God. Cultivated by an obedience to God. That's what virtue is. How about the next one? On top of that, so to our faith at virtue and to virtue, knowledge. Here's the next one. Knowledge is is this. In the Greek, it's actually gnosis is the word there that's used, but it's wisdom and discernment, which Pastor Dave has talked an awful lot about in this passage, but it's wisdom and discernment, which, uh, which we need for a virtuous life, and it's progressively acquired. The older and the older that we get, the more mature that we come to be in Christ, the more that we have a knowledge of who he is. It's practical more than purely speculative wisdom. How about this? Philippians, I can say it this morning. Philippians 1, 9 says this, And this I pray, and it's coming from Paul, This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment. Paul's encouraging them because in the, in the rest of the book, he's going to talk about this false teaching, these things that are coming in, and the forgetfulness of what is ahead and what's coming, the return of Christ. And he's saying, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. And verse 6, here we go. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Let's look at self-control. Self-control is this, controlling our desires and passions or discipline, moderation. Learning how to control your body in a specific way. Listen, how many of you know what things are tempting for you in this life? that are tempting for you, right? Okay, you understand what that is? For me, food is tempting. Food is very tempting. Our teenagers understand this, that I'm a a very, very big fan of Little Debbie snack cakes, right? (laughs) But what do Little Debbie snack cakes do to me? Yeah, they make me not be able to bike 400 miles this summer. (laughs) They put quite a cap on what I can do. But in self-control and thinking on a deeper level, there's things in our lives, sins that come our way that we have to, at some point in our maturity in Christ, we have to go, you know what? That is getting the best of me. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to put it over here. I'm not going to look at it anymore. We talk plain and simple to our teenagers about these things, Uh, guys especially. But when we see things in front of us, many of us individuals, uh, especially us as guys, we're we're, uh, visual. And so you put something in front of us that we shouldn't see, 
It's something that we have to put away. We have to have self-control. And to learn how to understand to get the help from outside, but also to have the self-control to put some things uh, in our way to help us stay away from those, those issues that might come in front of us. Perseverance. Let's talk about this one this morning. I love this one because it's very, very applicative to today and what some people in our church are going through. But listen to this. It's the need to keep on keeping on in spite of adversity in our lives. It's patient endurance and holiness when we have the temptation to give in or to give up. The idea here in the Greek, it it literally means to remain under a heavy burden of, to be able to hold up something. Uh, Listen, this week, we went and visited an individual in our church, I'll just say Joe Padlack, but we went and visited him. Listen, guys, he is enduring. He's persevering right now in his life. Went and visited him with Scott on Thursday, and you know, the cancer is attacking his body, but he's under a, a heavy load. But he has the joy of knowing Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he's persevering. This morning, and I don't want to take too much time to, to bring into detail, but I was reading something that Diane Seitzma had put on Facebook, and she's struggling. Again, the same type of thing. Uh, cancer is just, it's after her body. But you know what? She's persevering. She's asking for us to pray for her in the fight. That's what it's all about when we think about uh, enduring and and persevering and becoming more mature in our walk with Christ. Here's the next one today is, is godliness in the end of verse 6. It's a behavior that reflects the character of God. It's a desire to please God in all of our relationships of life. Do you have that today? Do you have an attitude of godliness? Do you want to please him in every single thing that you do? Every circumstance that comes your way, every conversation that you have with someone around you, do you want to have that in mind of godliness? I do. Boy, this, this passage has, has hit me hard this week, thinking about it, and, and trying, to, trying to think, how do I measure up to what Peter is saying here and encouraging us to be strong, mature Christians? Christians that don't just claim to be Christians, but people that really live out their faith on a daily basis. Here's here's something I want you to think about in just a second. Let me keep going. But uh, verse 7 is to godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, it literally comes from that word Philadelphia. And that comes from, obviously, what we know, Philadelphia here in our country. It's the city of what? A brotherly love, right? It's, it's that idea of a brotherly kindness, a, a love for those, all of us here this morning, that I can look at several of you today and go, I, I love that person in Christ. I'm praying for them. I hope the best for them. I think about it practically. I have one brother and I have one sister. My brother comes to my aid an awful lot lately. You know why? Because he's a, he's a plumber. I've had several things at my house go wrong lately, and I've had to call him and say, Dan, can you come and, and help me fix this? I've got my, my showers leaking down in the basement, striking all my ceiling tiles. Or, hey, my sprinkler system's not working because I just turned it on and there's water squir- uh, squirting straight out of the ground. It can't be a good thing. You know what he does? He, he hangs up, he's, I'll be right there. And he's, he's there to help me. I would do the very same thing for, for him. If he called me at any moment, I would drop whatever I'm doing and I would go and I would help him. And that's the idea that, that Peter is trying to explain to us today. How many of you would do that in this church, in this body of believers right now, that if someone, one of, one of 
the members of this church called you, would you be willing to drop things like that and go to their aid and to help them out and to come to their rescue? That's another quality of a mature Christian is brotherly kindness. But here's the last one, and this is the culmination because Peter's using something here called, it's a literary structure called a, a soul right. So it's something that builds upon one. And although you don't have to make sure that virtue is, is all set in your life and then uh, knowledge is all set and all these things, there, there are seven qualities that work together hand in hand. And as you build upon them, we come to this one crowning idea of these seven qualities. And here it is this morning, it's love. And church, that's the love of the cross, right? That's, that's the love of the cross. It's this word agape. We have phileo is that brotherly kindness. Eros is that love between a husband and a wife. But we have this morning Peter telling us, add love, which is the love of the cross. How are you with that? That's the love that you have for people that you don't even know just because of what Christ did in your heart and in your life, right? That's what it's all about. And Peter says, add to your faith these seven things. Add to it. And I thought this was really interesting. Notice this today. If faith is your foundation, you add virtue, then we add knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and then love. That equals a maturing Christian. And I thought about it. I was reading and studying down through. When I looked at those different qualities, a lot of them start with internal things within us, okay? When we look at virtue and knowledge, self-control, those are things that we have to work on in the inside. Perseverance and godliness, brotherly kindness and love, they start to show on the outside. Do you see that as Peter talks through this list? And you know what I do? I think about that and I go, you know what? There is no way that a fisherman by trade could come up with that idea. That to me is a true explanation that... God was living in well within him. The Holy Spirit was guiding and directing him. And what Scripture tells us, where is it in 2 Timothy 3.16? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for all those different things. That's what tells me about Peter this morning, is that he had a true walk with Christ himself. He was a Christian that understood what it meant to be more and more mature on a daily basis. Here we go. In verse Eight. We'll keep going this morning and just dig apart this, this idea. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That idea this morning is that we will not be idle, that we wouldn't be just sitting still, but that we'd be going somewhere, that we'd be growing, and that we're not barren, but that we're bearing fruit, that we're bearing fruit in our, in our lives. I think that's, that's huge. And, and remember that this morning, to always be growing in your walk with Christ. So verse 9 today is where we really want to spend some time. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Can, can you interact with me this morning? How many of at times in your life you forget what God has done for you? From time to time, you just get so busy in life and, and you... You take for granted what he's done in your heart, your life, and with your family, and some of the blessings that we have. You know, we were talking to our kids this past week just about what we have as Americans, how blessed we are to, to have food and to have running water and a, a septic system, all these different little things. And we're explaining to one of our girls that some, some children in different countries, 
they literally have to choose who's going to eat today. Okay, I'll, I'll eat today and you eat tomorrow. And I take for granted, and I'm sure some of you do, we take for granted what God has done for us in this life. But this is even a deeper level. Uh, Peter is explaining it, and let's just read it again. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. I want to take it a little bit further, and, and hopefully not take this verse out of context. But listen, in, in America, within America, at one point, there was a survey taken, and four out of five people within the United States of America claim to be Christians, right? But yet, their, their life, their fruit, there's no fruit, their, their walk didn't show it. And I think Peter's helping us this morning to think and go, okay, if I'm really adding these things to my faith, I ought to be bearing fruit and showing forth. And I'm not talking about by a works-based salvation this morning. You understand what we believe here, that for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of works, lest any man should boast. We understand that. But I think Peter is helping us see that if we're really a true believer of Christ, we're going to be growing. There's going to be some fruit. Uh, think with me, with me, if you would, about Peter and those disciples. When they met Christ face-to-face, their life was literally changed from then on out. Pastor Dave explained to us that at the end of, of Peter's life, we can understand, we can go back and see from history that he was actually crucified on a cross, but he was, he was so bothered by the fact that Jesus was crucified the same way that he requested to be crucified upside down, right? And he wouldn't even do it the same way that Jesus had lost his life because he didn't feel worthy of it. And this morning, let me have you think through this idea. If someone has really met Jesus Christ, they've come to know them as Lord and Savior, their life is going to look very, very different, correct? Right? Uh, I've heard one pastor say it this way one time. Think about this idea and just dream with me for a second. Let's imagine that Pastor Dennis and the praise team got done leading worship this morning, and everything ended, and all you saw uh, pop up was the the theme screen for our, our series this morning that said, Deceived. And uh, 5, 10, 15 minutes passed, and nothing was happening, right? And it, it would get quite awkward, correct? If we sat that long, and Pastor Den- Dennis didn't come up, and Pastor Dave didn't come up. And then all of a sudden, I run up here on stage, and, and I get up here, and I, I start to explain to you the story and say, you know, church, I have to tell you, I was on the way here this morning, and I was on M6, and uh, my vehicle, we, we were just, I was traveling along, and all of a sudden, my tire blew out. So I got out of my car, I, I changed my tire, uh, I got it back on, but my mistake, I stepped out into the middle of the interstate, in the middle of M6, and a dump truck hit me. And it hit me head on. And it, it hurt. <laughs> it hurt really bad. And so... And I come back over here and I say, so this morning, you know, I just want to let you know and I, I want to I explain to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm late and so I apologize. Now, if that was a true story, if that was what I was really explaining to you this morning, you would have one of two things going through your mind, right? Either Pastor Tim is, is a liar, he's lying, or number two, he's very, very deceived, right? Because when someone gets hit by a dump truck, they're going to look different than they did before, right? <laughs> right? You, are you following me? They're going to look different than they did before. And that's the idea that I take from this portion of Scripture is that, that Peter's saying, listen, 
when you meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, your life is going to look different than it did before. It's going to look a lot different. It's going to look a lot different. Listen, I don't, I don't want anyone to question their faith today, but I want you to look at your fruit of your life and ask you this morning, if you've been coming to this church for 1, 2, 3, 5, 10, 15 years, and yet you feel like a baby Christian, I would ask you to check your heart and to look into your life and say, wow, maybe I never really did trust Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, Pastor Dave and I, we could, we could say and attest to this in the counseling sessions, whether it's premarital or whatever it might be, that we've had people come to that realization and go, you know what? I've never really accepted Christ into my heart and my life. Well, you know, it's really hard to add those seven qualities when we don't have the foundation of faith. Think about that this morning. Do you truly have a relationship with the Lord and Savior? That, that God that pulled you down out of the miry clay, He saved you. He's done things in your life that no other person could do. And your life is different for it today. You know Christ. But again, there might be some today that you've got to get that checked out. You need to be real with yourselves. Don't be deceived by what the world has told you. Listen, I'm not against a, someone praying a prayer, walking an aisle, signing a card, throwing a, a piece of wood in a fire, whatever it is. I did those things, and I know to this day that I know Christ is my Lord and Savior. But there may be some of you that didn't really trust Him with your whole heart. You never really totally did what, what John tried to explain to Nicodemus and that we be born again and that there's life change and that you repent. Repent means that you turn away, right? But think about this this, this morning as we get ready to finish up. In verse uh, uh, 10 here it says today, Therefore, brethren, therefore, it's therefore a reason. He's going on building upon what was already told. Therefore, brethren, be even more Diligent, even more diligent beyond what he said in, in verse 5, giving all diligence, but be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. I want to share a little illustration with you this morning. This comes from Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. You can look it up if you want. I don't have it on the screens this morning. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about this, and you may have heard it before, but he says, Work out your salvation with all fear and trembling. That's the idea here. It's not, not that we need to earn our salvation, but if we have salvation, we have, the, we have the promises, we have the power. He wants us to be partakers, the practice of it. We need to be living it out. We need to be working out our salvation. For uh, a way of illustration, I'm going to ask Mr. Tom Young and Caleb Hudson, can you guys come up here real quick for just a second. I think we'll, this will help us get the idea um, of what we're talking about today. How many of you like to work out? You like to work out? Okay. How many of you hate to work out? You, okay. How many of you you'd rather like work out and eat a Krispy Kreme at the same time? Kind of an idea. Okay. All right. Now, I'm going to be careful with this illustration just because I don't want to embarrass one or the other, but I asked uh, Mr. Tom if you'd come up here for a second. And Caleb, if you'd come up here for a second, this is the idea that, that I want you to see this morning, is working out your salvation. How many of you know that Mr. Young likes to work out? Okay, if you don't, he does, okay? How many of you know that Caleb likes to work out? 
<laughs> okay, Mr. Young, can you show us your muscle on your strong arm? Just uh, roll your sleeve up, give us a, a little look here, and uh, show us what that, what that muscle... And Caleb, you get ready with your strong arm, too, in just, just a second, and show us what your, what your muscle looks like. Okay, whoa, okay. Yeah, now, Mr. Young, he's very humble. He didn't really even want me to do this, but I said, I need you really bad this morning, okay? Now, that, that looks like a, like a watermelon inside of his arm, right? I mean, <laughs> the guy spent some time working out. Now, Caleb, can you show us your, your strong arm real quick? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay. Now, real quick, I want you guys to come up here and just have a quick arm wrestling match. Just real quick. Just real quick. Just, just really quick. It won't take long. I, I, I went um, short on purpose this morning. Okay. Now, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to go. You ready, Caleb? Yeah. Okay. The what? Professionals. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, on the count of three. One, two, three. Whoa. All right. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand real quick. Now, I feel really bad for Caleb because I'm his youth pastor, and I don't want him to hate me for the rest of his life, okay? But here, here's the idea. It's a bit unfair because, why? Mr. Young is a lot more mature in life. He's been on this earth much longer. Not only that, he has weights in his basement, okay? Caleb is a teenager. He's a lot younger. He hasn't had an opportunity to mature in his faith. Now, maybe sometime... Caleb will get there, and when Mr. Young's 90 and starting to fail, maybe the, the arm wrestling will go in a different direction. But I want you to think about this today, is that we need to work out our salvation. Make it, make it visible to those around us. Listen, if we're true followers of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, people ought to be able to tell a difference. They ought to be able to see it in our lives. They would be able to see it on the outward factor, not just on the inside. And, and that's the idea today. And here's the end of it. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. The thought here that Peter is getting across to us is that why do we stumble in life many times is when we get our eyes off of where we're going and we start to not worry about that and we just kind of rest in, in the idleness, right? And just, oh, we're just, just, doing, just doing our thing, going through life. And Peter makes that, that great point. If you do these things, you'll never, you're never, never going to stumble. Keep on doing it. Keep putting it into practice. And verse 11, here it is, the last one today. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about this idea. An Olympic athlete has to train for how many years just to get into that one chance Typically, how many years does it take for them to train? Let's just say from Olympic to Olympic time, how many years is in between? Four years, right? And if you're talking about the younger ones, they've trained their whole life. But at the end of an Olympic event, it's awesome. I mean, when that, when that American, let's say it happens to be, that gets up on that stage and is number one, and, and you hear our song being played... In my idea, it's just, it's, a, it's an awesome time. 
But even better than that is when that Olympic athlete comes home to the United States, come home to the hometown. It's, a, it's just this triumphant welcoming. And that's what Peter's explaining to us today. If you do these things, you work on these seven qualities, you're going to be a mature Christian. And listen, if you, you work out your salvation, you won't stumble. And matter of fact, it's going to be supplied to you an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that was part of the issue with some of these believers of the false teachers of Peter's day was beginning to tell them all these different things and getting them off the site of the eternal kingdom. And they were forgetting that Christ was going to come back someday because you know what? It had been so many years, all the stories, he's going to come back. He said he's going to come back. He's preparing a place for us, and he hadn't. And the false teachers were beginning to say, no, that's not, not really going to happen. But you know what? He's coming back. He is coming back someday. And that's where you and I have got to make sure that our hearts are right this morning. As we get ready to close, I want to just give you two conclusions here. And this hopefully helps Pastor Dave as we head into next week portion of Scripture where Paul is realizing he's coming to the end of his life. But in verse 5, we see that again, circle back around to that, is that we need to give and apply all diligence to these things in our lives. Give and apply all diligence. And number two is that growth and discernment will follow. It's going to happen naturally because we are growing and we're maturing in Christ. I like to try to end each, each message with a, an idea, a central theme where you can walk out remembering uh, uh, what we talked about today. And the whole, the whole idea of this passage, and you might even see it in your, your version of your Bible, but on top of verse 5 in my heading of mine, it says this, fruitful growth in the faith. And I, I brought a little plant this morning I want to show to you. Uh, about seven years ago, uh, I picked up some uh, strawberries from Spire's Market over here on, on uh, uh, what is it, 68th and Eastern area. And uh, my daughter and I, Haley, she's, she's sitting back there this morning. We took a whole flat of these home, and uh, I should probably have uh, Dave Dutcher up here explaining this better, wherever he's at. He knows more about fruit growth than anybody in here, but... Uh, we took a, a flat of these home, and uh, we planted them. We planted them in the in the uh, yard next to the house where we knew a lot of sun would be, and uh, we planted them in a little portion of our our bark area right along the house. And, and what I didn't realize is that when I bought these, uh, I looked at the little tag that came with them. I just thought they were normal strawberries, but I got looking at it after we had planted a bunch of them, and they're called ever-bearing strawberries, right? So not only do they just kind of fruit in June or July, whenever they will, and you can see they're already starting to come about, but we, we get them all summer long. Like, really, Tracy, wouldn't you attest, we see strawberries all summer long. I mean, they're coming out of our ears. The bunnies still eat their take, and we still get enough for us. It's awesome, all right? But as I thought about this uh, this morning, you know, they get the nutrients they're supposed to have, the sun and the rain, but... As we started going through the years, we thought, why are these things growing so crazy? I mean, we get a ton of these. And one fall, I was out cleaning them up a little bit and beginning to kind of cut away some of the dead stuff and put more, more bark in. And all of a sudden, Tracy had turned on the dryer in the house, and all this vintage started coming out at me. 
and it was right over where the strawberries were at. And I'm like, that explains it. All right, when a dryer exhausts its stuff, right, what comes out? A lot of heat and a lot of moisture, all right? And so constantly, these strawberries, about a section about as wide as this stage right here, this small portion, all summer long, it's getting heat and moisture above the sun and the water that it gets from the sky. And these things just grow. They're bearing fruit constantly. And it's awesome for us because we love strawberries. But I thought about that this morning. I like that idea of us being ever bearing. And I realize fruit is in a season. But our, our season we could talk about today is our life. Are we ever bearing fruit? Are we producing, producing fruit in our lives? It can be used in a great way. And I love that illustration. And I think about this summer, how very soon here with these flowers budding, we're going to be eating some strawberries. We're going to be enjoying them. We're making strawberry shortcake and putting them on our ice cream and all kinds of good stuff. But think about that as we close today. Would you consider your life to be ever bearing? Are you bearing fruit? And here's the last thing today that I want you to think about. When I teach our, our teenagers, I leave them on every Sunday night with this little thing. It's called a sticky statement. So I want them to remember it, what we talked about, and go out with it this week and use it and go, oh, yeah, I remember what God's Word says. Here's, here's how I can apply it. But this is it this morning. Write this down if you have an opportunity to or just plug it into your memory. memory. But fruitfulness will be produced by faithfulness. Fruitfulness will be produced by faithfulness. As we're faithful, as we're working out our salvation, you're going to see fruit come about in your heart and in your life. I hope you're expecting that today. I am. I want to be a mature Christian. I want to constantly be growing in what he's taught me in his word. But here's the thing. Just as that dryer vent supplies the moisture and the heat and all the, the stuff that it needs to keep it growing crazy, guess what? This book right here, this is the source. This is what we've got to be in every single day of every single week. Because as we're in this, we begin to realize who Jesus is. We begin to realize what he looks like. We begin to understand what it looks like to be a mature Christian. But if we're not in this book, we're not in this book. It's very hard to get there. Matter of fact, I want to leave you with with one verse today, and I love this verse. But Hebrews 4.12, it says this. And it helps us see our condition before Jesus Christ. For the word of God is living and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's where we're really at this morning. Church, would you bow your heads as we get ready to pray? I just want to ask you a few questions. Every, every sermon, every talk that I give to our teenagers or whether it's here in church, I have three types of people in my mind. Uh, Number one, maybe it's an individual that's sold out. You're living for Christ, and you love him. You know within your heart that you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, and I'm excited for you. Keep doing it. That's what I encourage you to do this morning. Keep on doing it. You're sold out. The second one, it's really not even a word, but I call it stumblers. Maybe you're in here today, and you don't know Christ, or you think you do, or... Maybe there was a time where you felt like you made a commitment, but you don't really see that fruit evident in your life. You're stumbling. I would ask you, just as we talked about today, uh, to check your heart and to figure out, hey, did I just do that 
that thing or make that decision without a real sincerity of heart. And if so, we'd ask you to talk to one of us pastors today, really. We'd love to sit down with you with the Word of God in our hand and just show you simply what it means to be born again, to be a child of God. And then the third one that we want to talk about this morning that we, we look at many times as we talk with our teenagers would be those that are seeking. You're here today and you know that you don't have a relationship with Christ. I would ask you to, to seek it out. And maybe you're not ready. Maybe you, you struggle with what it means to be a Christ follower. But you've heard this message many, many times and, and maybe you're ready. Maybe you're there. You say, you know what, I'm ready to seek it out. I want to understand what it means to be a Christian. Um, can I ask you this this morning? How many of you here today, you can say without a shadow of a doubt, you know 100% sure that you'd be in heaven when you were passed away? Would you just raise a, a hand for me today and make that known to the Lord, most importantly? Great. You can put your hands down. Uh, I see some here this morning, I'm sure in a group this size that I didn't catch all the hands, but would there be anyone today, and no one is going to be looking around, listen, we're not in the business of embarrassing people at this church in any way, shape, or form, but is there anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor Tim, you know what, I'm seeking, I don't really have a relationship with Christ, I've never really trusted him as my Lord and Savior, anybody here today, you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor Tim, that's me, anybody, anybody here today, just put that hand up for me. All right, I don't see any hands this morning. If I missed it, please know that we would love to talk to you. Church, would you stand this morning as we continue our prayer? And we'll finish out with this word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we're going to sing and worship you in just a minute. But we thank you for this time in your word. We pray that you would help uh, Pastor Dave as he continues this series in the, the upcoming weeks and months as we look into what it means to be a child of you and also how we can grow in our discernment of you and understand what is true from God's word. Lord, today, I thank you so much for those that are living for you. Their life is vital. It's not dead, as James talks about. Their faith is, is, is growing. And I pray that you'd help us to become more and more like you every single day. Lord, it's been a joy to dig into your word, and I pray that as our, our church family goes home this week, that they'll take the word of God themselves, and they'll dig into it and see what it says for them and apply it to their hearts and lives. Lord, very last thing this morning, if there's someone here today that does not know you, they've never fully been born again, they've never trusted you, I pray that they make that decision by the end of today. God's word, it shows us, it tells us that today is the day of salvation. And we'd hate to see anybody go out today and go into a crisis eternity. So Lord, this morning we thank you so much for what you've done already in our hearts and lives. Help us to apply it as we go out this week. In your name we pray.